and it's recording and we're live welcome to crypto blockchain podcast we are live with jivan from teller and he's here uh, hi jivan how you doing man how does a brown guy fuck up my name jivan that's just probably my cousin you have you have no excuse buddy all right fine you know jivan jivan yeah there you go <laughs> and this is das machine by the way so don't don't fuck up my name <laughs> yeah no problem no problem yeah so um how are how are things this week things are good man things are good things are busy you know um you know there's just a lot of things going on obviously you know in the blockchain space so there's always going to be a lot of announcements right and even with our company we're building a lot of great stuff and we have a lot of uh, a lot of you know a lot of meetings a lot of this a lot of that a lot of noise obviously but i mean things are getting done great so this week uh, i guess we're talking about serenity as well as crypto 2.0 right and uh, i guess i'll let you talk about serenity uh, i guess it's ethereum's next version so do you have well, any thoughts on that yeah i mean so i mean like i just like I, i'm looking at the, the article that you know you sent uh, sent me right you know like you know vitalik says Ethereum's is in line for a thousand times capacity upgrade. Right. Uh, and I mean, like you know, look. First of all, let's talk about proof of stake, right? Proof of stake is like a fundamentally flawed, uh, you know, uh, consensus process, right? I mean, the whole point of blockchain is to these intermediate intermediaries, and then whatever outcomes of that, like you know, cost saving, cost savings, um, uh, trusted. Uh, trusted parties you know or you know or uh, uh you know the, 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 the trust is automated and all that kind of stuff right so uh, when you when you put a proof of stake process in place what it does is it effectively creates intermediaries within your blockchain right so right. i don't i don't understand how you can you know build a blockchain that's supposed to be an intermediary and intermediary by putting in an intermediary and like it's really confusing to me um you know and it, it it's it's not democratic and i don't think that fundamentally doesn't work right? right um and in terms of and in terms of like talking about the capacity upgrade if we look at similar projects uh, in the market right now if you look at list right or if you look at, look at us they use delegated proof of stake which is supposed to be faster than the traditional proof of stake right um and list is not even breaking 25 transactions a second right Mm-hmm. um maybe it's inherent in the block block producing limits or whatever the case may be but it's just not doing it right um and EOS has a lot of like you know clogging issues where people can just go in and clog up EOS's network um like you know without having any real difficulty right mm-hmm. so i don't understand how proof of stake is going to do better than delegated proof of stake which is supposed to be better in terms of performance um i mean there's other issues with delegated proof of stake like centrality and all that kind of stuff but like but but how is it supposed to be better i really don't understand it uh looking at similar projects to that right so i'm like i'm very wary of these these announcements uh that are going to be like you know thousand times upgrade upgrades you know, i've been hearing them for years nothing's come out of it you have similar products with with a similar thought process that that already exist in the market they haven't proven that concept already so i'm very 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 wary of what they're saying um and i might have you know this sounds like it might sound like a conspiracy theory but i think every time ethereum ethereum's price starts to slide down 
somebody comes up with an announcement, right? To make sure that, you know, hopefully that, 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 that price doesn't go, the ether price doesn't, doesn't slide any further. Right. Um, and that's something that I've seen, obviously, like, it's just like a theory at this point. Um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep, I wouldn't put that out of the way. Sure. Yeah. And we're not trying to speculate on price and nor yeah. are we trying to provide investment advice. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think, I guess from my point of view, obviously, I'm still a believer in Ethereum, so I'll keep hoping that uh, things uh, work out with serenity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as much as uh, you know, I don't know. You you probably disagree about the uh, general direction that Ethereum's going in. Right. I mean, like you know, also the second, the, 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 I have a lot of problems with like a proof of stake and like you know switching a network from proof of work to proof of stake. Right. First of all, like you know, I'm not a proponent of proof of work. Right. That is an environmental disaster. We right. need to stop it like yesterday. Right? right. Right. But the thing is, you have a lot of people that have invested their time and effort and money into building you know infrastructure around Ethereum right mm-hmm. now with that proof of stake thing in mind, and by switching over to proof of stake, you're essentially fucking them over. Right, mm-hmm. um, and how do you take care of the people that built you to a point where you are today? Right, fundamentally, it's like a nasty thing to do. It mm-hmm. might be a necessary thing to do, but it's a nasty thing to do. Right, um, but also, you know, just on the tech side, I really, I, I haven't seen any progress in the last few years. Right, like every it's every year, it's like or every conference, and you know, they're very close. Right, but what is close meaning? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Um, when, 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 what's the release date? When can I see it? Right? Like, where can I see the gold base right now? Of where you're at? It's, it's. I don't know. It's, 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 it's just kind of weird to me, coming from like you know business background, where I'm when I when I have deadlines, I meet those deadlines. Right? This is this is this kind of like focus focus for me at this point. Right. Okay. So we'll agree to disagree on the Casper and uh, proof of sure. stake. Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, again, the jury is still out on whether that will be proven. So yeah. I guess let's uh, talk about crypto 2.0. So uh, any thoughts on crypto 2.0? Yeah. I mean, you know, like the, the idea of like having a digital currency that you can use that you can use to make purchase is a fantastic one, right? Because obviously that's one of the biggest applications. But the problem today is, um, if you look at any blockchain, the cost of purchase um, is is essentially, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculously high, right? So mm-hmm. let me give you an example. For example, um, the average, uh, you know, uh, purchase uh, purchase value, you know, per purchase is about $67, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you put, you know, you put that charge on your visa, they charge you about 2.5% to the merchant, the cost on is going to be what, like a buck 60, buck 70, right? Mm-hmm. So, so for us to have a digital currency that competes with traditional markets, we have to make sure that the cost of that is lower than the cost that the merchants are paying to traditional Visa and, and MasterCard right now, right? Right, so right. That, that doesn't happen. It's not there yet. Now, mm-hmm. in terms of what we're building in Teller, this is a shameless plug. I'll always do this and I love doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, so you can do, you can process a transaction on our network, on our network of about five cents, right? So mm-hmm. really that's, that's a big cost saving. But now, when you go into developing markets where this is gonna this is gonna have big pickup, five cents might still be too much, right? Where the average purchase value might be a lot lower than the global purchase value of sixty-seven dollars, right? right? So yes, I mean, so like obviously that's a fantastic idea, 
but the cost base has to make sense. Right. Um, and beyond that, you know, like, you know, the technology, I mean, the blockchain technology is fantastic, right? It's trustless and it's all, it's all great. But if it costs too much, it's not going to have any adoption. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, I, I really think that crypto 2.0 as a concept is that you take stable coins and make make it so that the volatility is uh, not there, right? Yeah. And also the speculation or the speculators don't have to uh, kind of rule the market, right? That they don't get to call the shots on the market in the market. Right. So. Well, but let me ask. But let me ask you this, right? right? So, for example, if you look at stablecoin, the stablecoin is like you know pegged to the U.S. currency, right? Uh-huh. The U.S. currency is is stable because it has a lot of use cases. Uh-huh. Now, if we had a platform in the market that had a lot of use cases, was extremely scalable, people were using it, had you know you were using it like you know head and shoulders above everything else, and the price was only going up. As long as the volatility has an upward trajectory, it really doesn't matter. Right, because then everybody's happy. It's only when you lose value that everybody complains about, it, right? Right. Um, and once you have that volatility to, 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 to goes to an up to upward trajectory, at some point it's going to stabilize, right? Right. So you really need a stable coin on the platform as long as you're increasing in value and then you stabilize it. Because even the U.S. dollar it loses value sometimes, right? Like it's not it's not a hundred percent stable. It right, but it's a good price. reference value, right? So I mean, right. yeah. But why 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 can't we build a reference value with uses? The more uses we have, the more it goes up, and then at some point it stabilizes, right? Right, and that's what the point is of crypto 2.0 is to have yeah. a alternative to U.S. dollar, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the other part of it is that uh, if you have uh, the smart contract basically uh, stabilize or incentivize the stability, yeah, then it's even better, right? That's uh, what, what certain crypto uh, 2.0 ideas are doing. This is you actually- know, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think like we're valuing stability too much. Right, right, right. Um, like, if you look at any currency today, right, there is no inherent stability mechanism. Right, and it works. It works based. I mean, on- it's stable because there are forces, the market forces operating, right? So every time there's a drop in one currency versus like a currency pair, so yuan, yeah. US dollar, the the Chinese government might sell a lot, right, or or essentially do some market action. Yeah. So that's the mechanism for stability in that market. In the no, for, no, for 100%, like for sure. But like, so we're going to have to see something within platforms that does something like that. Um, to just have a stable peg, I don't think it, it, it can fix. Uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, it has to like, you know, people have to like, you know, buy and sell on your platform. And right. the more buy, the buy and sell, using your unit of value, then you're good to go, right? Like it's, and, and I mean, like, you know, this this idea of market interventionism is like, is, is relatively new, right? right. Um, so, you know, if you, if you go back a few hundred years, obviously, you know, the, 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 the coin, the currency was valued, you know, was backed by, you know, uh, gold or silver, whatever the case may be, or, it, or it's inherent value. But like there has been progress over that, right? I mean, there has been changes, but there mm-hmm. hasn't been like in a, 
the pegging mechanism to like stabilize it, right? Stabilize it using use cases. The more you use it, the more the more value it has, right? Like, and and if people stop using it, then well, who else screwed, right? So we're in the same boat together. Right, right. And uh, I guess one of the other things I wanted to talk about is uh, privacy on the blockchain. Um, right. So do you have any thoughts on what are the projects that are trying to ensure there's privacy on the blockchain? I mean, I'm not like, I'm, you know, the thing is blockchain by nature is not private, right? Um, which makes it trustless and, and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So um, I, I'm not too, I'm not too familiar with the projects that are working to give privacy uh, on the blockchain, but like, you know, obviously this is going to be an issue. Right. And even like even for what we're building, I mean, we have a mechanism for privacy because we only store data on a you know, select few nodes um, and, you know, and so it's decentralized. But I mean, it's uh, we use a you know, we use a fund that will do that. But the thing is, I think there's going to be a market shift or there's going to be a, a shift in value system where people don't really care about privacy anymore. Right. And that if I yeah, what, what happens? Who cares if I if somebody knows that I shop at Target today? Or if I went to, you know, went to, you know, for example, I, I went to the Bay today to buy a suit, right? Like, who really cares about that? Um, so there might be a, there might be a fundamental shift there, which I anticipate more likely happening versus solving for privacy. But it is a big issue, right? I mean, it, on, a, on a fully published blockchain, there's no way to ensure privacy. It just is, uh, unless I'm missing something. Well, and the core problems. Uh, that I see are that you know, do you really want someone to know your wallet balance, right? Yeah, uh, considering yeah. you know, you might have a huge balance and millions of millions of bitcoins in your wallet. <laughs> uh, I, I I predict that you probably have lots of bitcoins, uh, millions of bitcoins in your wallet. So, would you want everyone to know that, right? Yeah, considering your. I mean, what? people are going to have millions of Tel coins in their in their wallet, not Bitcoin. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> but but the thing is, like, no, you wouldn't, right? And you know that, that that that's an issue, right? Because you have privacy on the user side, where nobody knows whose wallet that is, right? Mm -hmm. So people' privacy is protected that way. But how does that impact, you know, how do when you pay your taxes, right? So if we're going to use cryptocurrency as an as a medium of exchange between you know between people then that user privacy doesn't really work when it comes tax time right uh -huh. um but if you have user privacy that's you know that's open and then you have and then you have these transactional uh, transactional data that that has no privacy then you know then everybody's open for everybody right like it's you know like it's it, that that's the biggest challenge in the crypto space uh -huh. um, and i mean you know we have to focus on what are the outcomes of creating a blockchain, right? If you have a blockchain that does like, you know, everything is trustless, mm -hmm. everything, you know, is cheaper because there are no intermediaries. Now, if you can replicate those, those, those outcomes by having another fund system that's a distributed ledger, then, then maybe that, that's the better solution, right? I mean, with Teller, what we do is we store data on different nodes, every, like, you know, every transaction has different different set of validators, right? Mm -hmm. So we create a lot of different blockchains within within our network, right? So that's one way we guarantee privacy. We don't guarantee absolute privacy because once you become a partner node, you know, you'll start seeing some transactions. But but it's like 
but it's like this, right? So, you know, person X will have, you know, transaction data for transaction one and person B will have transaction data for transaction two, right? So mm-hmm. if A decides to publish it, that's fine because the rest of the transaction data, you know, is not published, right? And the bigger the network gets, the harder it is for anybody to really see what's been going on. So, I mean, that's that's one way we solve for privacy, but we won't, we don't, but what we do is we don't publish data on every single node like Ethereum does, right? So it's a very creative process in doing that. Um, but beyond that, I, I don't really see how to solve it, but it is a big issue. So ZK, Zcash has a protocol called uh, ZK Snark. Yeah. And that's uh, basically a zero knowledge, non-interactive argument of knowledge, right? So that basically ensures that you can have these transactions be uh, somewhat private and and the, the, the verifier and the prover uh, can still kind of uh, interact, right? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I don't know if you've looked into protocols like that, the ZK Snark and ZK Stark protocols. No, I haven't looked into them a lot. Um, I'm not, I mean, again, like I'm not very familiar with them. Like, are they launched yet? So like, give me in a nutshell, like what are they trying to do? Like, how does it work? So, so the key idea is that uh, if you have a transaction and it's got a, uh, you know, address, right? The, every transaction has a sender and recipient address. Right. Now, the thing is that you want to be able to shield those addresses from the public uh, blockchain, even though the blockchain has uh, ultimate knowledge about where those trans- where that uh, tokens are going right like where yeah. the tokens are going okay. so so what it, uh, what the zk snark uh, protocol does is that it shields the sender from the receiver's address or it shields the receiver's address from the sender and shields the sender's uh, both addresses from each other, essentially, right? But at its core, it's basically saying that just provide me with the cryptographic hash of the sender's address and the cryptographic hash of the receiver's address. Yeah. And I'll do the verification by, uh, you know, the checksum or whatever the algorithm was for doing the hash, right? Yeah. So essentially, it's sim- similar to, you know, when you do like an MD5 or a SHA-1 hash, yeah. Say, okay. You don't need to give me the clear text message. Just give me the hash, and I'll just verify against my version of the hash. Yeah, that that's fine. But how do you go back and do an audit on, um, you know, where the transaction has gone, and like, you know, can you do an audit on? Right. So the audit has to have some keys that can reverse the hashes, or at least, uh, you know, uh, ha- have have some knowledge of the hash function right yeah so, so you know in some cases these hashes are deterministic and in some cases they're non-deterministic in the case where there's deterministic hashing if you have a knowledge of the hashing algorithm then you can kind of reverse the hash so it becomes a permission system where it's like oh this is an auditing authority maybe it's the CRA or whatever and yeah. they have then they have the authority to look at the hash function and then to reverse the um, uh, the addresses, right? Okay, so like, so where is like, so where are these keys stored? Uh, so again, the keys can be. I mean, the, the keys are not like uh, this great secret, right? The keys are yeah. uh, can be stored anywhere on the blockchain. Like they could basically be in the meta uh, 
meta uh, information of the like it could yeah. be some metadata right right so uh i don't think that the key storage is the main issue i think it's more like what authorities are given the permissions to kind of audit those transactions yeah. that's that's like a centrality centralization decentralization debate yeah and then the other part of it is what is the level of hashing that's done so that you know you don't have like some supercomputer like trying to uh, break those uh, hashes right yeah exactly i mean you know so yeah i mean so basically it sounds like a centralized system mm-hmm. it's all for privacy like you know and and again i mean like i mean blockchain came to be because there are centralized actors within our you know economic ecosystem that uh, that are not to be trusted right right um now if we you know if if we're trying to pick any like you know the first question becomes who chooses who's going to be a central system right like who who tells who who's to be trusted right, right. it's a very difficult proposition right. um and i think like some of the value uh, trust us value system of a blockchain is lost if you do something along these lines right. but again hey, like you know some there are going to be people that are going to be they're going to buy into some of these projects which is fair because there are no other solutions um to this problem yeah right right so this is the be- i mean it might not be that great but it is the best one that exists for now but there's, there's always going to be a technical technology risk that somebody's going to do something better but you know at this point this is a toughest issue for fully published blockchain if you have a right. fully published blockchain it's going to be very hard to solve for for privacy in a decentralized environment i i'm willing to bet it's impossible sure and and there's another project uh, called mimble wimble again we'll probably cover it in the next podcast Uh, yeah. <laughs> we already gone yeah. over um <laughs> but uh i think we covered a lot of ground in today's podcast yeah right. man no no problem i mean i know you want to get rid of me but like okay <laughs> <Again. laughs> i was like i think uh, we've covered a lot of ground we have a lot of uh, stuff coming probably in the next few weeks in terms of developments uh, announcements Do you have anything that you're looking forward to uh, in terms of blockchain? Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to closing around. Um we have a lot of interest um to grow our team and to build a project and you know like and launch it. Right. Um we have a lot of interest. Um everybody's doing the due diligence on our tech. Um yeah. because I mean what we've built you've seen it. Um right. it's, it's amazing. I'm sure you can attest to it. Uh we'll we'll attest <laughs> to the next one. <laughs> 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 but it's so good people don't think it's possible right but right. that's okay we're going to do the due diligence find out that you know this is uh, the same no joke right uh, I mean, yeah it's going to be good it's going to be good mm-hmm. um by the way when you're done recording i need to ask you something sure 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 uh so i'm going to sign off and thanks for joining me uh and hope to see you back here soon uh, thank you thanks chief